0: Hello and welcome to the latest Guernsey Green Finance podcast, which is rated one of the top 10 most useful sustainable finance podcasts by Green Finance Guide. Guernsey is one of the jurisdictions leading the way in green and sustainable finance and as part of this podcast series, we'll be speaking to and learning from some of the leading global figures in the field. My name is Rosie Olsock. I am communications director at We Are Guernsey. That's the promotional agency for Guernsey's finance industry. And I am delighted to be speaking today with Lamia Mazuki, who's co-chair of the UNFC4S and Deputy General Manager. At Casablanca Finance City and Murad Fatala, who's head of strategy for Casablanca Finance City. So, today, as well as topical trends in sustainable finance, we'll also be discussing some of the key takeaways from the United Nations Financial Centres for Sustainability 2022 AGM. Welcome, Lamia and Murad. Thank you, Rosie. Thank you,
1: Rosie. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. It's great
0: to have you. It's great to have you. So to introduce you to our listeners, can you both uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and your background and what you do, what your work is at Casablanca Finance City? Can we start with you, Lamia?
2: Yes, sure. I'd like first to thank Guernsey Green Finance for giving us the opportunity to talk about Morocco and Africa.
0: You're so welcome. Yeah.
2: As for me, I have been working for Casablanca Finance City since its inception in 2010. Prior to that, I started my career in Paris as a banking and insurance consultant before returning back to my country, Morocco, where I held several positions in strategy and finance in the private as well as the public sector. So, for instance, I took part in the Green Moroccan Plan within the Ministry of Agriculture almost 15 years ago. And... Sustainability is really in my DNA. I strongly believe that doing well by doing good is the right way to do business. And I think that sustainability starts initially on an individual level. And that is why I myself am trying to live an overall sustainable lifestyle with an organic diet, with ego friendly habits, and even a spiritual path, so to speak. Now, going back to Casa Finance City, that I will refer to as CFC. CFC is a public, private and government initiative launched in 2010 by the Moroccan authorities. It aims to position Casablanca as a business and financial hub serving Africa. And what we are today, 12 years later, is an African financial center, financial center in Africa, according to the GFCI, the Global Financial Centers Index, for more than five years now. And CFC welcomes companies from multiple sectors, and it is not just limited to financial institutions, provided they operate and oversee the continent or a region from Casablanca. And you know, here, it is worth mentioning that even if Africa presents untapped potential with tremendous opportunities, it remains a fragmented continent with complex economies, diverse legal frameworks, and a lack of robust market data and intelligence. And that is why we really need to streamline investors' critical path in the continent. So our daily mission in CFC is to continuously improve the value of the position. I mean, the legal and regulatory framework that we have put in place for international investors, and at the same time, to promote Casablanca internationally.
0: That's great. Thank you. Murad, how about you? Sure. Thank you,
1: first, uh, Rosie, for the kind invitation. As you mentioned, my name is Murad. I am 40 and Head of Strategy and International Partnerships at Casablanca Finance City Authority. I'm, com- I'm coming from an engineering background. I major in computer science and applied mathematics from one of the French Ivy League schools. They call it the Grande École in France. And actually, I'm part of this cohort of engineers that graduated in the early 2000s and that somehow, for good or bad reasons, found themselves working in the financial industry. And that personal journey took me to Tokyo, Japan, where I worked for a French bank on their Asian equity derivative desk, or to Zug, Switzerland, where I worked for a U.S. financial services provider. We were back then market makers and liquidity providers on the main European markets, essentially covering equity, equity derivatives, and so on. So, after that, I did an MBA that made me travel to France, China, and to the US. And I returned back home where I have the honor to humbly serve my country as part of the CFC adventure. So, I am in CFC since almost a decade now, and I'm just realizing that time flies. And we are covering with the team interesting verticals such as green and sustainable finance, fintech and innovation, Islamic finance, business intelligence in Africa or partnership with leading financial hubs around the globe. So otherwise, on a more personal note, I am a husband, a father of a baby boy. I have a strong interest in geopolitics, and I'm a huge fan of Formula One, which is, by the way, not necessarily the greenest sport, (laughs) but which is showing lately a very promising sign when it comes to diversity, inclusion and sustainability.
0: That's a great intro. Thank you both. (laughs) Um, So here in Gozi, we were delighted to be hosted by CFC at the UNFC4S AGM back in October uh, 22. Um, And we really, really enjoyed our visit to Casablanca for that event. Um, Now, Lamia, you've been co-chair of the UNFC4S for two years now. And one of the biggest projects since you started is the development of the African chapter which is especially relevant at the moment with COP26 having recently been held in Egypt and being dubbed the African COP. Um, We'll discuss COP more, uh, but could you tell us a little bit about why the African chapter was developed and what it's achieved?
2: Yes, sure, Rosie. Let me give you first um, some sort of context and background. As we all know, Africa represents the weakest link in green finance. Although the continent is responsible for only 4% of global greenhouse gas emissions, it is particularly affected by climate change. And at the same time, Africa attracts less than 5% of green investment flows. And yet it has the greatest potential to make massive leapfrogs in sustainable developments. Now, as a reminder for the listeners... (laughs) FC4S, Financial Centers for Sustainability Network, is the networks of the worst green financial centers born out of the G7 presidency in partnership with the UN. It represents today over 80% of global equity markets, and it was launched on African grounds in Casablanca with the signing of the Casablanca Declaration thanks to our lobbying, but also uh, thanks to the willingness of the UN environment to include developing countries in a co-development approach. So uh, about five years ago, we launched the African chapter of the network, which we had the honor as Casa Finance City Authority to lead at the beginning because we were the only African financial center member of the FC4S. And unexpectedly, the first regional platform that was launched was that of Africa. Then you had Europe, Asia, and very recently the Americas. And at that time, we did a lot of desk research to find out where each African market stood in terms of development uh, of sustainable finance. And as you know, data at the African level is not always available. Mm -hmm. So we at FC4S, along with UN experts, decided to take matters into our own hands through underground visits. So we went to Côte d'Ivoire, to Senegal, Rwanda, and other countries to test the interest of a certain number of African countries for the transition and meet with the relevant government officials. The visit's objectives were to assess capacity, to assess ongoing plans and programs, and, and also to assess the willingness of different stakeholders to work together within the context of this sub-regional network. And the process was not that easy because Africa is at the early stage of its sustainable finance transition, even if there is an increasingly growing demand on sustainable investments in the continent. Now, at the birth of this African chapter, the question was how to catalyze more sustainable finance flows to the continent. And at the same time, how to raise awareness about uh, among sustainable, uh, I mean, sustainable finance stakeholders in Africa, and here we have encountered many challenges because some African countries did not have a financial center body and have asked for our help building one from scratch. Secondly, we have different levels of development and interest on the sustainable finance agenda, and in many countries, sustainable finance is still a niche. So it was sometimes difficult to find the right focal point, And in some cases, there was no one dedicated to green finance. And lastly, financial centers in African countries are different uh, in their structures and areas of expertise. And this diversity was both a challenge and an opportunity for the establishment of a regional program on sustainable finance. Today, five years later, we can clearly state that this regional platform is a real success. We are proud to have six financial centers within this chapter, namely Nairobi, Lagos, Cairo, Abidjan, Kigali, and Casablanca. And actually, what makes this platform unique is not only the fact that it attracts international green finance, but it has also been accelerating emergence of new financial centers' bodies it has been a catalyst for the creation of uh, abidjan finance city of fc forest lagos and many others that adopted sustainability as a strategic priority in their dna from the start and moreover within this framework we as a finance city authority signed a partnership agreement with fc forest lagos lagos financial center to work on accelerating the implementation of our respective sdgs and we cfc were able to support fellow African countries to join FC4S, such as Kigali Financial Center and also Abidjan Finance City. And here, I would really like to express my gratitude to FC4S secretariat and UN experts, because they have always given the utmost importance to the African continent, and therefore we have been able to create a real space, a real attentiveness and aura for Africa within this global network.
0: So what tools has FC4S put in place,
2: Yeah, What we have put in place at FC4S for a few years now is a system with three main tools to progress in sustainable finance, and these tools are used all over the world and also in Africa with the third tool specially designed for the African continent. So first, our main tool is what we call the assessment program. It is a survey sent annually to each stakeholder of the financial centers, all sectors combined, and which allows us to see the status of green finance in each financial center. And it is really the most important tool used by almost every financial center in the world. And I'd like to take a little more time to elaborate on it, but maybe later on. um, uh, What do you think, Rosie? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. so the second tool that we have put in place is the Sustainable Finance Roadmap. It is a template with all the components of uh, sustainable finance. I mean, banking, insurance, capital markets. And here we had a real interest from African countries because many countries were concerned by the question of where to start. So Nigeria, Cote d'Ivoire, Rwanda took FC4S templates, which was also inspired by the Moroccan Sustainable Finance Roadmap, which had been done at the time of the COP22 held in Marrakesh. And here the first tool, the assessment program, is very useful because it is an input for the sustainable finance roadmap. The third tool is more recent and specially dedicated to the African continent. And its objective is to mobilize more private finance. And it is called the SDG Pipeline Builder. It consists of mapping green projects on the one hand and providing a pool of international investors interested in sustainable development projects in Africa on the other, and therefore matchmaking the two. So all these tools obviously adapt to each context, and we have seen a real mobilization from African members. But it is true that there are still many other African countries, and we cannot force countries to implement these tools, and we can only encourage and support them.
0: It sounds like absolutely incredible work uh, that's taking place within the African chapter. And uh, it sounds like the Pipeline Builder Programme um, will make a real impact. Now, another core programme for the UNFC4S is the Annual Assessment Programme. Um, Genzi was proud to be one of the funders for the 2021 Annual Assessment Programme. Can you tell us about it uh, and how it's used, Lamia?
2: Yes. Yes. Again, this is our major tool. And the philosophy behind this tool is that you cannot improve what you cannot measure. So this assessment tool is unique because for the first time in the history of sustainable finance, we showcase in a holistic and global way, both qualitative and quantitative data on the market dynamics. And data is crucial because, you know, if we manage to assess the state of green finance across financial centers, and show the progress using data, then we will be able to gain momentum and make a real change. So we publish the results of this assessment tool in a global, anonymous, and consolidated way, but we also send the individual, individualized report to each financial center. And this is done with the perspective of improvement in the sense that each financial center can see where it stands in relation to the average. And it also allows us to support some of the financial centers that request it. In fact, for some financial centers, it becomes a strategic tool, a kind of catalyst that will push actors to accelerate reforms. Now, if we deep dive on what we um, have been analyzing in particular uh, within FC4, this, this FC4S assessment tool, we have three pillars. The first one is, is, is institutional foundations. The second one is about regulatory environments. And the third one is about market infrastructure across banking, investment, and insurance subsectors. Currently, FC4S members rely on their respective ecosystems to acquire all the information and consolidate it. And by responding at the local level, each financial center provides data to contribute to the international level. And the participation of FC4S members in the assessment program has been steadily growing. And here, I'd like to thank my colleague, Murad, who commits every year to collect information on the assessment program. And I must say that it is sometimes uh, a heavy task, but we are all aware that this clearly provides an unmatched global reference of where the world's leading financial centers stand in terms of sustainability and the role they can play in supporting the real
0: economy. It is amazing that the data from the FC4S assessment program is so widely used. And you're absolutely correct when you say you can't improve what you can't measure. Um, What are some of the key trends and, and the takeaways for you from the last assessment? How are financial centers doing in implementing sustainability?
2: Yeah, there are, in fact, a lot of key takeaways. That and the pinned FC4S input to a diverse grouping of inferential bodies, including the G20 Sustainable Finance Working Group and the Coalition of Finance Ministers for Climate Action. I can give you at least five, but there are many more. Uh, but as an overview, one, there is clearly a thirst for data. Poor data quality and availability is a shared barrier mentioned by financial centers and stakeholders are in growing need of high quality data and metrics. Second, the importance of standardization is growing. And here the multiplicity of disclosure standards during the last years has been a barrier to the effective comparability and integration of sustainability related factors into the investment decision process. So to maximize the efficiency and integrity of sustainable financial markets, conversions towards universal definitions are required. Three, the regulatory environment remains a critical driver because regulations are key to improving transparency and integrity of the sustainable finance market, boosting investor confidence, providing market clarity, and enabling tracking and measurement of sustainable finance flows. Four. Commitments from authorities are key for takeoff. You know, public authorities can play an important role in encouraging the implementation of the SDGs, addressing shared challenges and promoting the use and harmonization of existing market tools and methods. And last but not least, the presence of talents and skills continues to be a critical issue to the growth of the sustainable finance ecosystem. And besides these key takeaways, there are two underlying issues that are of concern to all of us. The first one is that while we have witnessed in recent years the rapid growth in green and sustainable finance activities, its proportion in total global financing remains low at around 10 percent in some large economies. That probably, probably means that the rest of finance, around 90 percent, is destroying the planet. So we still need to address this misalignment issue. Mm-hmm. Secondly, there is a real concern on the quality of market commitments and pledges, which represent a serious risk of undermining the reputation and functioning of the Korean and sustainable finance markets. You know, ESG is having a challenging time with accusations of greenwash rising by the day. And here we need to set up an accountability system within which, hopefully, there will be consequences for those who do not respect
0: their commitment. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, Let's bring in Murad here. Murad, what was your experience of gathering the data and reporting in the annual assessment programme for Casablanca?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, look, Rosie, data gathering process is as many things in life. It is demanding, but also for sure, also rewarding. On the one hand, it is challenging and tricky because, one, you need to fetch very granular and specific information. Two, you have to crowdsource and then later aggregate inputs from several sh- sh- stakeholders. And you can also make sure that the data sets are consistent with one another. And three, and it goes without saying, you should look for the most up-to-date figures, the most robust and rated sources. And a footnote comment here, if I may. Data accuracy and update is a real pain point in many African countries. And it is unfortunately the case across the board, not just for sustainability related metrics. On the other hand, it is gratifying as the gathering exercise is an additional opportunity to establish frequent touch points with the various protagonists. And I mean by here policymakers, regulatory authorities, market participants think tanks, academic world, NGOs, and so on. And you are able then to get the latest update and discover what interesting things they have on their pipe. Plus, once you have the data crunched by the FC4S team and here special kudos to the team for the clinical work they are doing since years, you start to discover pure insights and true gems. Obviously, it is telling you a lot about the levels of maturity, depth, and sophistication of the local financial system and sustainability ecosystem and this in a very holistic manner. I would also add here that the other appealing dimension comes from the frequency of the assessment program and that enables us to appreciate progress in a path-dependent manner, I would say. This allows us to detect the gaps and the deltas from one release to the other, to benchmark the, realiza- the realization versus the initial ambitions, And this is particularly instrumental to measure the implementation levels of the Moroccan Sustainable Finance Roadmap, for instance, that had been mentioned previously by Lamien. So a long story short, it is a great tool. Sometimes the exercise might be frustrating, but it is definitely interesting as it helps us as financial centers learn and improve over the years.
0: But well, we absolutely agree with you, Miranda. Our experience in Guernsey is that gathering the data is still a challenge, but the reporting, as you say, is invaluable. Uh, we took the results of the last assessment programme to our highest levels of government and financial services industry to showcase the areas where we've done well and also to highlight where we still have opportunities to improve. Um, something that Casabranca has been successful in was the implementation of your Green Bond Murad, can you tell us about the green bond process uh, and what the bond has been used for?
1: Well, indeed, Rosie, thank you for the interesting question on green bonds. Maybe I will start with a few elements to set the stage first. The Moroccan Capital Market Authority, the AMMC, has published a few years ago with the support of the World Bank Group, Green Bonds and Sustainability Bonds Guidelines to encourage further the development of such instruments. And this move has a positive signal to market participants, as some of them issued green bonds over the years to help finance flagship projects in several sectors as renewable energy. You might have heard about MAZEN, which is the National Renewable Energy Agency, and their flagship NOR CSPPV power plants, or also other projects around sustainable construction, real estate, green agriculture, and so on. And we as well at Casablanca Finance City Authority pioneered back then in 2018 by issuing a green bond. We issued for an amount of roughly 35 million USD to finance our environmental friendly real estate program. And interestingly, some of the gatherings that took part as part of the FC4S annual assembly last October in Casablanca happened to be in the CFC Tower, which has been financed via that green bond emission. And by the way, the tower has a LEED certification, which is standing for LEED in Energy and Environment Design. And the issuance was a private placement. It has been internationally certified. Nine large Moroccan institutional investors took part in the deal. And what is also really great is that it has been involved in two companies of our CFC community, a law firm and a corporate and investment bank. So all this to say that we sincerely hope that more and more projects in Casablanca in Morocco but also beyond in Africa will be following the same path and will be financed thanks to green and sustainable finance vehicles. Thank you. So what
0: other projects and themes is Casablanca looking at developing in future?
1: Yeah, sure. Of course, Rosie. Well, to be honest, we are currently working on some promising projects that are keeping us pretty busy with the team. (laughs) It is really tricky to choose one because somehow when you do so, you are unfair towards the other initiatives. But anyway, Having said that, if I have to pick one for the discussion, I would select the Innovation Lab. The lab is part of our strategic positioning on fintech and has been launched a couple of years ago. And the platform aggregates key stakeholders of the domestic fintech ecosystem, meaning by this regulatory authorities, incumbent financial services providers, startups, ecosystem builders, and so on. And the ambition is really to foster the development and the digital transformation. And the development as well of linkages with leading international financial centers and African fintech ecosystem across the continent. The rationale behind the initiative is also to create the right set of conditions for public-private dialogue. And especially here, I would like to mention the crucial matter of regulation, but also to ease market access, to foster the access to financing for startups, to simplify the administrative procedures that these startups are facing, and to offer a tailor made acceleration program with coaching sessions, with mentoring, with inspirational talks, networking events, demo day, and so on. So, speaking of the acceleration program, the lab's first batch graduated last December. And we had eight interesting Moroccan startups across several fintech verticals, including payment, crowdfunding, global advisors, financial literacy and inclusion. And of course, ESG, with a talented startup that developed an AI-powered solution to do ESG investment in Africa. So as part of the upcoming cohorts, we are looking forward to broaden the scope and scale of the program by including new segments, especially those centered around green and sustainability, and also by onboarding startups from African countries.
0: Sounds absolutely fascinating. Now, you've also recently held an event, the Casablanca Sustainable Finance Dialogue. One of the themes for the event was the role of the financial centres uh, in financing the transition. And in Guernsey, we've also been looking at the role of private finance and in particular driving the transition to uh, net zero. Murad, can you tell me what some of the takeaways were from that session? Sure, sure Rosie. Well, the Casablanca
1: Sustainable Finance Dialogue took part last October on the eve of COP27 in Egypt, as you both mentioned with Lamia previously. The event was back-to-back with the annual general assemblies of two networks, the fc Forest Network and the World Alliance of International Financial Centers that we had the pleasure to host in Casablanca. And the idea behind the conference was to leverage the presence in Casablanca of these international experts and high-level leaders to capture the emerging trends, the opportunities, but also the challenges that are shaping the sustainable finance agenda in the current turbulent times, to say the least. So as part of the program, we had two interesting roundtables. The first one was around the fundamental role of financial centers in channeling and scaling up green and sustainable investment flows in a post-COVID recovery context. The main takeaways and insight would be around setting up the ad hoc frame conditions, including legal, regulatory framework, tax incentives, taxonomy and standards, easing doing business and so on. The second dimension is covering the development of holistic sustainable finance ecosystem. And by this, we are meaning the green banks, the positive impact investment funds, the uh, professional services providers, you name it. The third dimension that has been underlined is around strengthening cooperation at both the national and international levels. And by this, we are meaning the exchange of best practices, benchmarking, cross fertilization, and synergy building efforts. And last but not least, The fourth dimension is around raising awareness, doing some advocacy for green and sustainable finance, more promotion, and also putting the effort on capacity building. The second roundtable took an African lens and was entitled from COP26 to COP27, Opportunities, Challenges and Solutions, the African Perspective. And here, I mean, to echo what has been mentioned previously by Lamia. Africa faces a paradox. The continent has a limited historical responsibility when it comes to greenhouse emission and global warming, yet it is the most vulnerable to the effects of climate change. And Africa is the continent that sadly receives the fewest flows of investment, of green and sustainable investment. The continent has also needs, and the green transition is an opportunity for Africa to leapfrog its way to development. The potential is significant in various sectors, Renewable energy, sustainable infrastructure, green agriculture, mobility, smart cities, to name a few. However, risk and Africa's risk perception by investors is somehow biased. In fact, the continent is attractive and has a risk reward profile that is very appealing. And business opportunity on the continent need therefore to be promoted more aggressively, if I may say. The mobilization of African savings, public-private partnership and blended finance, the international collaboration can play a key role in the mobilization and efficient allocation of sustainable finance on the continent. And last, the point that has been mentioned here as well as a promising enabler is the role of inter-African cooperation and the African continental free trade area to develop green finance in Africa. So in a nutshell, these are some of the key messages that have been conveyed during the conference.
0: Thank you. So, as you say, the event looked at COP26 and 27 and opportunities, challenges and solutions from an African perspective. Um, Lamia, I'd like to ask you, what were you hoping would happen at COP26 from an African perspective? Um, And what are your thoughts on the outcomes from COP27?
2: Well, for me, these uh, major meetings of climate multilateralism are absolutely essential. Even if for the moment they are insufficient, (laughs) it is very complicated to make progress on certain issues, but clearly we need more dialogue and COPs provide the right platform to establish this dialogue, even if it may seem too conventional and not fast enough in view of the stakes. Now, uh, beyond climate, the main challenge in Africa is to improve the living conditions of Africans. The needs are huge. I mean, more than 600 million people do not have access to electricity. More than a third of the population lives below the poverty line. And the situation has worsened as a result of the pandemic and more recently, the inflationary crisis. Now, with regards to COP27, as Africans, we had high expectations, obviously. The African continent has been able to make its voice heard, but... There has been no progress on the just transition. The real problem of this COP is that it did not address the topic of adaptation enough. And even the $100 billion that we have been talking about for a while now, we don't really see them. And we also don't have any, have any visibility on the distribution process of those funds yet. In fact, so far, these funds dedicated to emerging countries have been directed to Asia and mostly to mitigation rather than adaptation in Africa. And that is why we are rather disappointed with this. Furthermore, there is another challenge that we don't often mention, which is that we should take into account specificities when we consider working on frameworks and we should prepare for the possible unintended consequences of the conversions of the frameworks. I'm talking about the indirect impact this could have, in particular on developing markets, because what could seem like an easy rule, uh, an easy framework to implement in a mature economy could end up jeopardizing the development of a less mature one. And it is a real issue for Africans and emerging countries in
0: general. Yeah, i take your point there. Um, and I imagine that lots of listeners of this podcast and businesses who are starting to tackle how they manage the transition, you know, would be understandably nervous about the scale of that challenge. Um, so my final question is, what would you say to those who were starting to finance the transition?
2: I would say that the key word is patience. You are on the right track because the future of finance can only be green and sustainable. So... I would say congratulations um, because you are exactly where you need to be, but you will have to be patient because the road to sustainability is bumpy, but necessary.
1: Yeah, building maybe on this, uh, I would say that keep up the good work, you are instrumental and we as financial centres are here to help you do more, be more impactful. So uh, keep up the good work.
0: I love that as a final key takeaway, bumpy, but necessary. Thank you so much, Lamia and Murad, for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you for your time and your very fascinating insights. Um, For our listeners, if you'd like to know more about the energy transition, you can read our report on private finance and its role in supporting the transition to net zero. Um, And Thanks for listening today. We have quite a back catalogue of interviews, panel discussions on the Guernsey Green Finance podcast channel. You can search them out by searching for Guernsey Green Finance wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a review or a comment. We love to receive your feedback. You can also find us at guernseygreenfinance.org and weareguernsey.com. You can interact with us on Twitter at gsygreenfinance and at Guernsey. If you'd like to know more about news and developments coming out of Guernsey's finance industry, check out the We Are Guernsey podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We've also got links to Lamia, Murad, CFC and the United Nations Financial Centres for Sustainability Network social media in the show notes as well and we'll be back soon with another edition of the Guernsey Green Finance podcast.